Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Wasn't that a powerful time of worship? I love it. And I was thinking this morning, as we were singing that song, Never Change, Never Change, it takes me higher and higher. I was thinking about that scripture in Colossians, I believe it is, in chapter 3, that says, since you were risen to, or are risen to a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ. Somebody can say amen, a new life in Christ. Set your sights, your focus, your concentration on the realities of heaven and the higher place. Set your realities on the reality of the eternal treasures that are ours in Christ. Amen. And we're right there where Christ is seated at the place of honor. Right next to the Father. And the Bible says we're right there with him. How many can you understand that? Can you say amen? Amen. And you know what that does? It helps us to not depend on our perspective on things. But we gain God's perspective because we're seated with him in the heavenlies. And the Bible says it's far above all principality and power and every name that is named. We're seated in the highest place with God Almighty, the creator of the universe, with his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is there and here. Amen. So I'm excited about the gospel. But I want you to know today that I'm not intending on preaching in the everlasting gospel and wearing out the saints of the living God. (laughs) So I will try to, (laughs) I know there's going to be a miracle, but hey, miracles happen. (laughs) Miracles happen. I would like to have a little interaction today as we get rolling here. Is there somebody with the handheld microphone? Okay. Now, what I'm going to ask you, how many know, now some of you aren't in sports, and I don't know a whole bunch about it, but I know a little bit about it, probably to get me in trouble. (laughs) But this coming August 9 will be the first preseason game for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. So I don't know whether they're going to have a home field advantage or whether they're playing out of town. But what do you think are the advantages of being on the home field for football, baseball, or basketball to be home court? Raise your hand. Get it quick and just tell us. We can be informed. Okay, Tony, get the microphone to this guy. The fans present. At home with your fans. Amen. Good. Somebody else. I know that somebody else got some ideas here. You're used to the weather. Hey, there you go. Good. 
What else? Over here, Devin. You know the lay of the land. It's your field. You know how it works. You know mm -hmm. the little kinks. Yes. Amen. One or two more? Okay, Zane. The general feel is friendly and not hostile. Ah, uh, yeah. Makes a difference. One more. Right here, Mrs. Sanderson. Our daughter, Sherry. You're not tired from the travel of having to go to the oh. state. <laughs> People that have to travel, they understand that. Thank you all for that. When I think about this, probably one of the key words is that word home. Home. There's so much meaning in that. That's a place of security, stability, and familiarity with the family, the atmosphere, the environment. And, you know, some of you may not know this, but when the baseball players go to Denver, they can hit the ball further in Denver than they can here where it's sea level because it's so high. Also makes a problem for the catcher. There's certain, I mean, the pitcher. There's certain pitches that he has a hard time with because of the altitude. And so I'll tell you what, we have the highest altitude. We have the greatest home privilege. We have the greatest security. We have the sense of Father God and the relationship with Father God through Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We got a lot of advantages. Can you say amen? amen. So... Father, I pray now that you will just enable me to be your oracle, to uh, declare the word of God, the word of the living God. Ask for your anointing to be upon us all. Thank you for the great worship we've had. And now thank you for the great word of God. And we look forward to your guiding us as we move into the, this service in Jesus' name. My message today is titled, The Abundant Life Advantage. The Abundant Life Advantage. Think about it. The Abundant Life Advantage goes way beyond the sports home field or home court advantage. The Abundant Life Advantage. And think about this word advantage. It's the factor that places a person or a group in a superior or favorable position. There's a greater benefit. For example, when a team plays on the home field, their chances of winning increase because of the advantage. And our chances of being winners goes off the chart because we are identified with the creator of the universe, and Jesus possesses everything because all that the Father has has been given to the Son, and the Holy Spirit declares that and passes it on to us. So that makes me excited. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I'm a Christian. Amen. The old song. I'm glad I'm trusting the Lord. Amen. All right, so there is a an abundant life advantage, greater benefit. But what is this abundant life that gives us such an advantage? Listen to it. The very words of Jesus. He talked about the thief who comes to destroy 
to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always at work trying to destroy the abundant life that Jesus provides. But when we know who we are in Christ, we give no place to the devil, to the thief. We give no place whatever. We stand our ground and we tell him he has no legal authority to get in our way. None. So Jesus said, I came that they may have life or have and enjoy. How many are enjoying your life in Christ? If you're not, you can. Maybe this message will help you enjoy it. Get a little more excited about Jesus. And the reality of these eternal treasures that are ours. And these treasures are in earthen vessels. Amen. So he said, I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance. Abundance. Say it, abundance. And he said, till it's full and it overflows. Overflows. There's some things that overflow that I don't like. Like if you're cooking and you got the lid on tight and you got the fire up there high and it starts boiling over and it runs over and makes a big mess. I don't like that kind. But I'll tell you, I like the kind of overflowing that's the Jesus life. I like that overflowing. It's abundant. It's just more than enough. It's just more. It stirs. And you know what, though? There's an indictment against God's chosen people, Israel. Jeremiah talks about it. And he said, my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken. They have substituted. They have left the fountain of living water. The fountain of living water. Can you just picture this fountain of living water just bubbling over and springing spring up into everlasting life. And he said, then, this is the crazy thing they did. And I think so often we see people trying to substitute things to take the place of that living water, that anointing that's fresh, that fills and stirs and overflows. And he said, this is what they did. They hewed for themselves. They hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns, that couldn't even hold any water. My goodness, how far off the track can we get when we don't stay in touch with the Word of God and the power of the Spirit and the realities of the abundant advantage that we have in Christ? No way. I want no broken cisterns. I want the fountain of living water. Can you say amen? And it's our privilege to walk in that realm with God. Now... Today, my main objective, I thought about this, and I couldn't come up with any words that would be as good or better than the Word of God itself. So let's read it. First of all, 2 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Sometimes that has to happen. We don't like it, but the Word of God shows, hey, this doesn't line up. What is wrong in our lives? It corrects us. Oh, I don't like correction. No, I don't want anybody to correct me or anything to correct me. That's a bad attitude, right? We need to be 
so willing. God, you correct me. You adjust me. You bring me into divine alignment. When we're wrong, it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, listen to this, to prepare and equip his people. All of us are equipped for doing ministry. Amen. To do every good work. And then in the next translation, the Amplified, you'll find that I like these two quite a bit. I use a New King James, but I use this, and Amplified, and the NLT. The NLT is a lot, really good. Okay. Every scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. You know, take, take a big... No, ex, and I'll tell you what, what I do. I exhale, and I said, God, as I exhale, get rid of all of Earl Bradley. Get rid of my thoughts. And then as I inhale... Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We can go a long time with a lot of things, like food, water, sleep, and all that. But how long can you go without oxygen in your lungs? Not very long. And that's about the truth of how long we can do any good without, ah, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay. God breathed given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness. And here is an excellent explanation of righteousness. It's holy living in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose, and action. That says it. That's righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It's his. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things God will add to us. Amen. That the man of God, woman of God, whatever, may be complete and proficient and well-fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Can you say amen to the word of God? That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need the Scripture. That's why we need to read it and meditate it on it and memorize it, etc. And it's not enough just to go to church and sit and listen to the preacher or the teacher or whatever and close your Bible and never visit that again. Let me share with you that God's Word says that we're His people and the sheep of His pastor. The sheep of His pastor. Sheep are ruminating animals. Maybe we are too. <laughs> We're his sheep. Sheep, they eat quickly, and they swallow it. It goes into his stomach. But then they don't get the nutrition out of that until they lie down. Sheep chew their cud when they lie down. Sheep get the benefit from what they've eaten when they lie down. They're at rest, and they're not busy doing everything else. That's when they enjoy the nutrition that gets into their system. And us Americans, were always busy, 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 busy. We listen to the Word, and we take notes maybe, but we never visit it again. We never say, God, I'm going to meditate on that. When we meditate on it, that's when the formation becomes transformation. is through meditation. Amen. So let's take a look at our text. Finally, we're getting to the text. The text is Romans 15, 13, and it's in the NLT 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then, then, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. This word fill seems to be a simple word, but it's got a powerful meaning. I'm not a Greek student because in Bible college, the teacher graded on a curve, and I got an 89 or a 90, but I ended up with a D because of all these brains that were there. <laughs> so I think the word is plerao, and it means to be complete and fully satisfied. Listen, that's what God's doing for us. We don't lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We don't lack any good thing because of our relationship with Christ. The next translation in Romans, in the Amplified, Now the God of hope so fill you with all joy and peace, all joy and peace, in believing through the experience of your faith, that by the power of of the Holy Spirit, you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over. Yeah. Is that possible for us as Christians? Yes. You know, there's a lot of people in life that they're hopeless. They have no hope. They've given up. But God says the hope that we have, we can be confident in it. It's springing up. It bubbles over. I want that kind of hope. And my prayer is, God, Help me, keep me in right relationship with you, the power of the Spirit and the working of the Word of God so that I can enjoy that bubbling over of hope and never feel this is hopeless. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not hopeless. Not hopeless. The Bible says that he gives us hope and confidence and hope. Now, finally, we're getting to the introduction. <laughs> finally, we're getting to the introduction. I want to share with you, I never realized this. These, this verse, Romans 15, 13, contains nine major biblical advantages or themes, and it's all in one verse. Think of it. In one verse... There are nine major ad biblical advantages and themes in one verse. Wow. Think of it. That's in Romans 15, 13. Being united with Christ Jesus, the family of God, we have the advantages of, amen, these nine things. Many people, Christians even, they live much of their life, maybe some cases most of their life, never really experiencing the abundance that God has given us in Christ. My purpose today is to impart that truth to each of us so that we can enjoy it, so that we know what Jesus did for us, the advantages of this abundant life. Amen. Let's take a look at the first word, prayer. Wow. Some people don't know what prayer is. They think it's a duty. Oh, I got to pray. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel prayer. Listen, this is what prayer is. 
Prayer is a dialogue of communication with God because we are participating with him in his kingdom enterprises. That lifts it to a whole different level. It's not a duty. It is a responsibility. But greater than that, it's a privilege because God has ordained for you and for me to be involved in participation in the kingdom enterprise. It's the greatest thing existing. And we don't understand that. May God just really pour that and permeate our minds and inculcate that truth into us so that we realize we're not an accident going somewhere to happen. We're people of divine purpose and divine destiny. We've got a call that's a higher call than anything else. We've got a purpose, a divine purpose. God has us linked together with him in Christ for a divine purpose, and that's to exalt him and to expand the kingdom, etc., etc. I can go on and on and on. So prayer. Secondly, God. God. Yes, it's our loving Heavenly Father. Think about it. I want you to think about this because some people never had a loving Father. They don't understand. They don't understand God's love. But our God is a loving Heavenly Father. He's the divine creator of the universe. That's our God, the divine creator of the universe. Through His Son, Jesus Christ, who works all things after the counsel of his own will. That's what he does. This great God, he's so big, he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Yet he's so small and intimate that he can live in your heart and my heart. That's a miracle. This great big God who created the entire universe, this vast universe that scientists are just continually learning more about, mourning more about, more about. God has it all under control, and that gives us the privilege of knowing him personally. And if you're here today and you don't know him personally, I invite you, today's your day, amen, to accept this great Jesus into your life, amen. Thirdly, hope. Wow. This hope, the Bible says, we have as an anchor. A ship has got an anchor. And sometimes they throw out the anchor to hold it steady, to keep it where it's supposed to be. And this hope we have as an anchor of the soul or our mind, our will and emotion. Do you sometimes feel that your emotion is getting kind of out of hand and your mind and your will and you're just going through all kinds of stuff and so on? I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to go back and visit what the Word of God says. This anchor, God, I'm not giving up hope. I am not giving up hope. I have a great hope in you because this is an anchor of my mind and of my will and emotions and this anchor enters the very presence of God. Hallelujah! The presence of God bringing us confidence, bringing us stability, security, and wellness. This hope, Paul said in his writing under the anointing, he says, I want it to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, spring up, this kind of hope. Why don't you, we, we might do this. Is your hope bubbling up today? And say, well, no. Well, hey, pray for each other. 
Amen. We are to exhort each other daily. Be in contact. We can't be a law unto ourselves. We're a family. We need koinonia. We need relationship. We need, we need togetherness. We need networking. We can't do it on our own. Hope. Okay. What about joy, the fourth one? An internal fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not dependent on circumstances. Whoo, I am so glad about that. What would it be if this joy that God's given us in circumstances aren't desirable and they're crazy and they're chaotic and everything seems to be mixed up and we don't understand and if our joy just left? That wouldn't be good. You know what? Joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the psalmist says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's not that only not, not just for the future. It's for time and eternity. So let your joy be full. Amen. Joy. Amen. And it becomes our strength. Peace. Also a fruit of the Spirit. And it's so great it surpasses our understanding. Peace. We are to let it rule. And guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus so we can be known as peaceful people. My wife has to help me in this, but she's dedicated. And other people are praying for this guy that should know by now, but sometimes I'm slow at getting things. I'm not the most peaceful person. I know I could tell you a story about a pastor that wasn't peaceful, but I don't have time to go into that. But I don't know about you, but I would just, you know, I would just love in every situation, even on the highway and so on, just, oh, let the peace of God. I'm learning. My wife says, I've given her the privilege. She says, honey, you can speak to me anytime you feel the Holy Spirit wants to, and I will respect that. And sometimes she says, Earl, and she says it in love. And then we smile. And she reminds me because she's more of a peaceful person than I am. And she's multitask and I'm focused guy. And we just enjoy life together. But God wants us to be peaceful people. Peaceful people. How many think he can make us that? He's in the process. He is in the process. Yes. All right. Faith, belief, trust. It's one thing that really brings God pleasure. Faith. He desires that we believe he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I like that idea. Okay, you seek God diligently. God says, look, I'm pleased with the faith. You know I am, and you know that I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So there's nothing at all wronging wrong by saying, God, your word says you reward people who diligently seek you, and I'm looking for the rewards. You know how to bring them. You know what they're necessary for to help us be who you called us to be. I'm looking for that. Rewards. Amen. Now, Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the assurance of the confirmation that the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things 
we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed yet to the senses. <laughs> but the Bible says now, not will be, not was. Now faith is. Jesus is not the great I was, I will be. He's the great I am. He's the now God. Now God. Yes, amen. So let's move on to the seventh one here. Abound. Some people might think, well, this word, how could that be a major theme in the Bible, abound? It's loaded. The Bible is replete with concepts and ideas about abounding and more than enough and spilling over and springing up in everlasting life and all kinds of abounding. It's Bible theme, when you read through it, and God wants you and I to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. Yes, abound. It's a word describing the generosity of God in his desire for us to have more than enough till it overflows so that we can share with others. It's not for ourselves. We don't live for ourselves. It's all about Jesus and others. Okay. Eight. Dunamis. Power. Say it. Dunamis. Dunamis. Power. That same Miraculous, supernatural power that raised Christ from the dead. Miracle is to operate in and through us by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, church. Come on. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is to be in us and operating. Whoo! Wow, that's beyond you and me. It's beyond human ability. It's divine. It's supernatural. It's miraculous. It's, that, that word is miraculous, miraculous, this power through the Holy Spirit. The eternal God, omnipotent God, shares his power with us so that we can be participants in his kingdom enterprises. That's right. And you know what the Bible says? It says, now unto him... Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Come on, we got resurrection power working in us. And God can do far more than we talk or than we ask. He's a super abundant God. He's awesome. Okay, let's take the last one. Holy Spirit, the third person of the triune God. There is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth, guides us into all truth. He always glorifies Jesus Christ. All things that the Father has have been given to his Son, Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who declares and reveals these things to us. The Holy Spirit operates the greatest power in the universe. There's nothing compared to it. He operates the greatest power in the universe. That's the Holy Spirit. And I could just go on and on and on about. I have a friend by the name of Ernest Gentile, my wife, and some of you know him. He's written a book, many books, but one of them is called The Indispensable Holy Spirit. The Indispensable Holy Spirit. And I am not about to put a damper on the Holy Spirit. 
We want him activated. We want him moving. We want him changing us and transforming us. Amen. He has the greatest power in the universe. Okay. You know, it's the God of hope who fills us completely with joy and peace because we trust in him. Because we trust in him. He's the one that does this. And the Bible in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You will keep in perfect peace all those, all those, let's say it, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. You know, I must say that I don't always have perfect peace. But I know when my mind is focused on the right thing and we have that time with God in the presence of the Lord that it, it just wells up and then it changes. And I can be, for a period of time anyway, I can be that peaceful person. Now, let me share with you an acronym because we want to know how to trust God. We really do. That's our desire, to trust God. Okay, let's take a look. I've come up with an acronym, TRUST. What helps us to really trust God? It involves five things here. Number one, truth from the scriptures. A lot of times we don't, we're not able to trust because we don't know what the Bible says. Truth from the scriptures. Secondly, refreshing from God's presence. Oh, how about that? Take time like sheep and rest in his presence. We should do it on a daily basis and then moment by moment where our contact is with him, that refreshing that comes from his presence. There's nothing like it. The word is one thing, but the refreshing in his presence, it's the spirit of God that is activated, that takes that word and makes it real in our hearts. So refreshing from God's presence. And then U stands for And listen carefully to this. This is so important. Understanding God's unfailing and unconditional love. Come on now. Unfailing and unconditional love. A lot of us have never experienced that. But I'm here today to say, if you've not experienced this, if you never committed your life to Christ, you can know this love by accepting Jesus Christ into your life. The unfailing and unconditional love. And that he has a sovereign purpose. God has a sovereign purpose. When we understand his love and that he has a sovereign purpose in mind, then it kind of changes things. So we don't understand why a lot of things happen. But when we hang on to this, okay, God, you're in charge. You love me and you got something in mind you're doing. Okay. The S is surrendering everything to God. That's necessary. Got to surrender everything to God. I surrender. Hallelujah. First thing in the morning (laughs) and then through the day. Okay, the last one, T, turning all of our challenging and undesirable circumstances. Any of you ever have that? Any have a challenging circumstance, undesirable circumstance? 
We've all been there. We all have that. But this is what we do when we're trusting God. We turn all of those challenging and undesirable circumstances into opportunities for spiritual maturity. Giving God thanks. Oh, that's tough. I don't like it. I don't understand why this happens. But God, I thank you. You're giving me an opportunity for spiritual maturity. I give you thanks. I give you thanks. That's it, folks. Now I want to I want to kind of wind up here. In 1959, David was only one year old. And we were in a conference at a church camp. And we received some prophetic words from three prophets, one of whom was Prophet David Schock, who's been here several times. And one of the things he said to Leanne and me was, I see you going to Africa. And this was in 1959. And so it never happened, never happened. Years and years and years went by. Finally, I felt like God was directing this, that we're supposed to go to Africa. So in 2013, it was all set up for us to go to Africa, be involved in churches and conferences and and um, just really encouraging people and giving them the word of God. So we went to Africa. But as it neared, I was getting all kinds of pain in my shoulders and in my back. And sometimes it was so bad. Some of you have heard this, but some of you haven't. It was so bad, my wife would take me into emergency several times and with all the pain, and I was crying and and. They would check me over, said, well, we can't, we don't know what's causing it, but here's some pain pills. And so I was on oxycodone and other things to help me to get off of that anxiety attacks. And and I was just getting worn out. I couldn't sleep. And it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, I was so beat down and tired and painful. I said to my wife, I'm not going. And I know if I don't go, she doesn't go. So she didn't say what she thought. (laughs) but I'm not going. I just made that decision. I can't do it. I'm not going. I just feel terrible. And the next day in my prayer time, the Lord very lovingly said, who's in charge of your life? And I said, well, I want you to be. And he said, okay, if you want me to be in charge of your life, uh, who was it that told you you're not supposed to go to Africa? And I said, well, it was me. (laughs) And he said, I want to be in charge of your life, not you. I want you to go to Africa. So I made a decision, changed my mind. I got to do what God says. And this was so bad by then, I didn't know what I had. I didn't know what I had at all, but this arm was shriveling up, and I couldn't hardly use it. And so... We made the plans to go to Africa, and while in Africa, I was on oxycodone and all kinds of other pain stuff still, but I was fine. The pain was much less. I didn't have problems, no anxiety attacks, no... no. God's presence and enabling power came to me so real that I knew it was a God thing. And when I got back, we got back from Africa. 
I was going to see a neurologist, but that got postponed because the the Africa trip. And I started tripping, and I got weaker and weaker, and I started using a, ta a cane and then a walker, and then pretty soon a wheelchair because I couldn't walk, and still on pain and stuff. And so I went in to see the neurologist finally. She checked me over, and she and another doctor said, get this guy into the hospital right away. And they told me that in two weeks more, medically speaking, you would never walk again. So I'm thinking, Lord, had I not gone to Africa, I could have been treated earlier, and this wouldn't have gotten so bad. But you said to go, and I didn't feel like it, but I said, yes, we'll go. When I got back, I got into the hospital in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, and they checked me through some tests and so on. The doctor came into the room, and he said, I have bad news for you. You have terminal, stage four, uncurable, cancer that is metastasized into your bone and it has affected you so bad that we'll do some radiation to maybe give you a little hope but there's no no promise of anything and that was fall of 2013 the very word that was spoken to us regarding going to Africa was severely tried. And when it comes like that, we just have to know that God's in charge. Yes. God's in charge. My primary care office said we didn't know if you would live past Christmas of that year. And when cancer metastasized into the bones, that's pretty serious. So I want to tell you that I saw the oncologist again last week. And he said, I'm not really concerned about you. He says, your PSA level is within fair reason. And he's going to work with me to get off an, another injection that I've been on for years. And so they won't say you're cancer-free. And I don't care. Jesus is the one, Dr. Jesus. So listen, Paul told Timothy... He said, you know, you were prophesied over, Timothy, and there were words spoken to you. Now, I want you to wage a good warfare. I want you to fight the good fight based on those words that were spoken, and don't let anything deter you. And the doctor told me over and over again, your bone enzymes are normal. He said, you have any pain? I said, no, they're normal. But we have to hang on to the Word of God. We have to hang on to what the Holy Spirit says. We have to hang on to what the prophetic Word says because we hold faith and a good conscience and we're going to fight the good fight because God is such an abundant God and He wants us to enjoy the abundant life advantages. He does. Conclusion, and this is it folks. <laughs> Conclusion. The abundant life advantage gives us the superb privilege of enjoying the highest level of life possible. Come on, say it. 
highest level of life possible, being personally united with Jesus Christ in the royal family of God. Life in the family of God is the real, authentic, good life. That's what it is. Amen. Now, Romans says that he causes everything to work together for our good because he foreknew us and he conformed us to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know, let's trust God to work things. We can do it. The abundant life advantage. Well, let me say this. If you're here and you want to either renew or give your life to Jesus Christ so that you can enjoy this abundant life, if you could just come up here, we'll have people come up here and, and pray with you and encourage you and so on. You have, to re, you have the privilege of doing that, or if you need prayer for healing or anything else, please feel free to come up. The rest of you don't sense that. In a little bit, I want you to stand and then we're just going to pray together to wrap this up and so we can all enjoy the abundant life privileges and advantages. Let's, let's, let's stand now and let's just worship God as we close this. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 